What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Fire and Ice, brought to you by Sportstopia. I'm Simon Grunewald, joined today by Cody Carpentier, here to help you get ready for week one of the NFL season. It's here, baby! What's up, Cody? How you doing, Simon? My first show doing it with you, so I appreciate you uh, with the intro there. It's week one, like you said. This is uh, this is the time of season that we've been waiting for. All the drafts are kind of coming to a culmination over the, over the next couple of days. And uh, we got the Thursday Night Football, literally literally just uh 48 hours and some change away i couldn't be happy couldn't be happier i'm like giggly just thinking about it i'm trying to ignore the football game i watched last night as a clemson fan pretend i'm an nfl fan anyways right so i don't yep. even need to think about that but it is exciting that we got real real football we've been playing pretend all off season with these mock drafts the endless analysis on the players that we've talked about an endless amount but we got one more day of that for you before this season kicks off we're going to go through a couple things with you here today. Like Cody mentioned, there's some drafts wrapping up. Our friend Chris, Chris Towers over at CBS tweeted out yesterday that the largest draft day on CBS Fantasy Sports is on Tuesday. It's today. Over 12% of their leagues draft on the Tuesday before the league starts. So I know a bunch of you out there are still drafting. I just checked my phone. I got four drafts between today and tomorrow. So we're going to hit on some must-draft players that you need to take. Three from Cody, three from myself. We're going to go over some week one waiver wire ads. Things have changed since you've drafted, and there's some situations that you need to be aware of. And then we're going to hit some of our player props that we like for this week as well. Before we get into that, though, actually, let's just get straight into it, Cody. That's my bad right there. I want to kick us off with three players that we do not want to leave our drafts without. I've got some drafts tonight. I know the players I'm mentioning I'm drafting, but I'm curious who you brought for us. Cody, who's your first player that you're not leaving your drafts without over the next couple of days? Number one, it's been number one for a while now, all the way back to rookie season. It's Roshan Johnson up in Chicago. Uh, he came in on the surface as the running back three behind Khalil Herbert, behind Deonta Foreman. And it looks like he's overtaken Deonta Foreman, his fellow Texas Longhorn. Uh, he's great in pass pro. He's great in the receiving game. He's great between the tackles. He can do everything. It's it's he played with Bijan. So a lot of people are just kind of like, well, he, you know, didn't do it all in college. It's like he came in as a quarterback and this guy's 225 pounds. He's one of the better 225 pound players you will see in the NFL. You can get him between round nine and, and quite literally the 16th round. I've taken him in spots and I've gotten sniped in spots in round nine and all the way down to leagues where he's gone undrafted, where I've been helping friends with drafts. It's around 15, 16, undrafted. Makes no sense to me, but Roshan's a guy where if you don't take him, somebody else is going to, you're going to be upset, or or you're going to have to spend all that fab in week one, two, three, four, one of these weeks uh, to get Roshan Johnson. Like I said, just a complete dominant running back uh, on the surface. You look just over his preseason, he had 102 Listen to this. He had 98 total rushing yards in the preseason, 102 of which were after contact. Doesn't even make sense, right? So he had 98 no. total yards, 102 of which were after contact. The offensive line hasn't gotten too much better then. Yeah, the offensive line is <laughs> not giving him any credit, but Roshan Johnson is a downhill crusher. He's he's a winner, and that's he, the job's going to be his sooner than later. And Khalil Herbert is not taking anything away from Khalil Herbert. I think Khalil Herbert's a very good running back. Difference is that Roshan just has some of the traits that I mentioned before that are just different. They're just different than what Khalil can bring to the table. And I think that Chicago sees that already, but they're just giving Khalil Herbert the due diligence and making Roshan really go the extra yard to earn it. That was going to be my question because I've been a uh, a big Khalil Herbert guy. What we saw last season was impressive to me uh, yeah. whenever he was given the ball. But that being said, this is likely to be one of the rush heaviest offenses in the NFL. Even if Khalil Herbert's getting his share, there's plenty out there for Roshan Johnson. Do you expect Roshan to take over maybe as the 1A ahead of Khalil Herbert, or is this just a value where he's going in drafts for you? I think, well, number one, it's a value because you, you saw it last year with the likes of, you know, the Kenneth Walkers and stuff. Kenneth Walker, I, I think he was, uh, I want to say I picked him up in like week eight, week nine in some fantasy leagues last year before he really popped down the stretch. But as far as taking over the, the lead back in this team, I do think so. I think you're looking at it like the week eight area where it's Chargers, New Orleans, where the schedule starts to toughen up a little bit for the Bears. And that's really when the team knows what they're going to be. You know, if if the running game isn't quite on par, and again, we talked about the offensive line just a minute ago. If the running game isn't on par and they go, yeah, well, maybe we need somebody that can break a few more tackles than Herbert, then I think that's when Roshan really takes that next level. Uh, you're also talking about an offensive line that can't block uh, up there with the top 10 teams. Roshan Johnson in there protecting Justin Fields to allow him to throw the football. Like that's 
one of the, that's one of the most important things is the fact of how good he is in pass pro and in the receiving game. I think that's going to allow Roshan to just chip, 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 chip. And I think by week eight, that's the number I've put on. We by week eight, that's the Chargers game and Saints back to back road games that I think Roshan will have the job locked up by week eight. I love it, and especially as someone who uh, loves waiting on running back a little bit, I like these high value running backs that you can get in these later rounds. My first player that I'm not leaving drafts without is kind of similar to yours, Cody. It's a rookie running back in a backfielder. He's not starting the season as the lead back, but I expect by midseason, Zach Charbonnet to take over as the 1A to Kenneth Walker's 1B, and that's Seattle Seahawks offense. When I go back and I watch tape for a player like Zach Charbonnet, I just think he's better than Kenneth Walker in every aspect of the game. Maybe Kenneth Walker has a slight edge as a receiving back, but I think Zach Charbonnet is a better pure runner, and I think he's going to give this offense an advantage, which is a a difficult thing to accept as someone who loved Kenneth Walker last season. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is one of those players that has been a post NFL draft riser for me, where immediately when he got drafted, I went down on him because I was so in on Kenneth Walker. But as I went back and watched more tape, I've bought in. And I think we're going to see Zach Charbonnet outscore Kenneth Walker for fantasy purposes this season. Are you buying into that at all? Or do you uh, expect Kenneth Walker to hold on to that backfield a little stronger? I think Kenneth Walker is going to hold on to it. Um, for the long term, as long as he's healthy, but I do think that Charbonnet is going to have a big, a big thing to say about it. Um, I was just going through my week one uh, rankings and stuff at the running back position, and as far as the opportunity share, I got Charbonnet all the way at thirty five percent, next to Kenneth Walker's fifty five. So I think it's going to be a, a good mesh of the two guys. I think they both they play well off of each other. Like if you bring in Charbonnet, you know maybe not for first and second down, but once you get into a drive and it's like oh okay first second down. He's going to be the grinder, and then all of a sudden you're going to bring Kenneth Walker in there with that four four three nine speed that is just the burst that Kenneth Walker brings to the table. I talked about this last summer on a bunch of podcasts. Being at the combine, you can just feel the energy of Kenneth Walker just watching him run that forty yard dash. He was the only player literally was like <laughs> like you could hear it aggressively <laughs> running. Yeah. I was like, this is this is just a different cat when it comes to the burst and the acceleration. And I think that bringing that dynamic to Charbonnet, who's a 225, 230 pound back that can just bang, bang, bang. And then Kenneth Walker, boom, down the field. So I think it's gonna be a great dynamic as long as they can both stay healthy. Uh as far as them both being like top 15 backs that's gonna be a hard world to press but i think they're both they're both solid values at the current state yeah going back to your roshan johnson picking here we did have a question pop in from fantasy sports logic wanted to know what about foreman sitting there in that chicago backfield are you nervous at all about foreman stealing uh the talk is him as the touchdown guys the goal line back do you have fear for that not really not really i, I like so i like deonta foreman it's just that he, you know he's aged out he's 27 he's he, they brought him in before Roshan was drafted, and then they drafted Roshan, they're like, "Well, I guess we maybe don't need Deonta anymore." So I like, I think they're gonna just give yeah. him his respect, and he, you're gonna see a little bit week one, two, three, I, I think, out of Deonta. But the, everything that I've heard out of Bears camp and over at Roster Watch, we go to all the training camps, and my man, the Trash Man, was up there at the Bears camp, and he's like, "It's Khalil Herbert," and then it's Roshan Johnson. He's like, and, and Deonta really hasn't been getting that much work. I think it's just more of a it's it's one of those weird things where the teams do this. It's not not really insurance, but it's like we only have Khalil Herbert and we want to leave this offseason with a, a, pl a plenty of running backs. And that was one thing that I definitely came away with at the combine was that Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, they all mentioned it. They're like, yeah, we need more than one back in this league. So they go out and get Foreman, who we know is a competent back. He's 230 pounds. We know he can do it. He's done it the last couple of years. And then they go and get Roshan Johnson, who just happens to be a little bit of a better version of Deonta Foreman already. So that's kind of the, uh, could he be a, a potential trade candidate down the line? Could, or if an injury happens, of course he's going to be a great value if an injury happens to either one of these cats. So uh, I like Deonta. It's just a, it's just an odd situation for him. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. Whenever you look at the other backs on the roster, I don't have too much excitement. That doesn't mean he's not going to have fantasy value this year. I feel like Deonta Foreman is the kind of player where every year, no matter what team he ends up on, who knows if he'll even be on the bears later this season, there's going to be two to three works of fantasy relevant value because running backs get hurt and Deonta Foreman is a serviceable back. Before we get into our next player, Cody, I'm going to come to you for your next one. I want to remind everyone that you can go to fantasysportslogic.com to check out the VIP promo for lifetime access to the Contrarian Edge Optimizer. 10 $20 entries into drafters, $2 million best ball turning a $100 deposit credit and much more. Again, that is at fantasysportslogic.com to learn more. Get in on that value. It pays for itself immediately just with those free entries. And then you get lifetime access to the Contrarian Optimizer as well. 
Cody, player number two for you that you're not leaving your draft without. You started with Roshan Johnson. I like that one. Who's coming next? This one's very interesting because a lot of people are fading him. And, and it's weird because I usually don't like these aging wide receivers like the Mike Evans is the world, the Cortland Suttons, the Michael Thomases. I'm usually out on these guys, but people are making them values this year. You can get Cortland Sutton in the sixth, seventh. You can get Mike Evans in the sixth. You can get uh, Michael Thomas literally in the ninth round. I don't understand right there with that. Roshan Johnson. Yeah, he's in the same area. It's like, and, and sometimes you can get, like I said, Roshan the 10th. I'll get Michael Thomas in the ninth, get Zay Flowers. Like that's my, that's my, that's the creme de la creme of drafting for me right there. But Michael Thomas, I think I'll hit on this one is people forget that. Yes, he did miss a lot of the 2021 season, but he did come back at the start of last year. These are his three games he played week one against Atlanta. He was wide receiver eight. He had eight receptions, 57 yards, five, uh, sorry. And a two touchdowns. He had six for 65 and a touchdown in week two. And then he got hurt in week three against Carolina, but he already had five for 49 in that game. Michael Thomas is just cresting. He just hit 30 years old and we're drafting Deandre Hopkins rounds ahead of him. And Deandre Hopkins is an entire year older. Olave is a very, very Chris Olave is a very good wide receiver on opposite side of uh, Michael Thomas that he hasn't had on the opposite side of him for a few years now. Derek Carr, I think, is a, is a good downfield quarterback as well as a guy that we know can get the ball to these big wide receivers like he did with Devontae Adams last year. So I think just based on pricing, Michael Thomas is is one of my favorite guys. One of my favorite quotes, I guess, from this offseason was him in an interview just about a month ago at the beginning of training camp. He said, I don't know what y'all's 100% looks like, but I'm always chasing perfection. I'm taking one day at a time. It's a blessing to be out here, not on the sideline, being able to put the work in on the film and go back and study and perfect my craft. I think his mind is in a great space. I think this team is going to be really good. I think this team wins the NFC South by like four or five games. This defense is really good. I think it's just going to, it's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think the value you're getting on Michael Thomas here in, in round eight, nine, whichever place you get, he's starting to bump up into round eight and in and, and these high stakes drafts, but round eight, nine, especially in your home leagues, I think that the value is just uh, really unexplainable uh, versus the wide receivers that are going off around him. His talent didn't just disappear. And you're right. We saw it showcased last year. He's still Michael freaking Thomas. And I think exactly. maybe the discount is coming from the excitement around Chris Olave. We've seen this with guys like Mike Evans in the past where Mike Evans gets knocked down a couple rounds because everyone's excited about Chris Godwin and his number two PPR season. And then don't you know it? Mike Evans is still a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I'm not calling on that for Michael Thomas, but you're right. This offense has some sleeper potential. Whenever I look at this entire division down there, I think it's maybe the most confusing division. One of the things I'm watching for in week one is just how do these teams look whenever they step out there and I was even a little bit surprised to see that the Saints were three-point favorites over the Titans in week one. I don't know. I just feel like there's so much uncertainty on that team. Didn't expect the Saints to be favored, but I'm with you on this one. What's the risk in round nine, round 10, drafting a player of that caliber with a good quarterback? Uh, he's got Derek Carr sitting there throwing the ball to him. It's it's literally wide receiver 43 when you go off in drafts. Last night, I actually got sniped on him. I was picking up the 8, 12, 9, 1 turn in an FFPC draft and Michael Thomas goes eight ten, And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then I ended up with court and Sutton there, but literally you're, you're talking about wide receiver 43 going off in these drafts. It, it really doesn't make any sense, especially when you're talking about a guy that literally averaged 17 points per game last year. We know what his upside is. It's not like he's 34. He literally just turned 30 and he should be healthy, right? He's, he's had, the, he's had yeah. 14 weeks of last year, plus this entire off season. And all the signs are pointing positive. And I've mentioned this on multiple multiple shows over the last couple of weeks, but if there's one reporter you listen to, one, because there's a lot of them out there, if there's one reporter you're going to listen to about uh, really understanding what's going on inside of a facility, I think it's Nick Underhill from the Saints. And Nick Underhill has only said about 106 times over the last month, I don't understand why everyone's still hating on Michael Thomas. You got you got, and he's not a fantasy guy, but he's like, I don't know why people aren't drafting Michael Thomas. It doesn't make any sense. He's 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 Michael Thomas, like he's as close to back as what we're going to see. I'm with you. I love that call. I'm going to move into my next guy here, Cody. This is a guy, another running back for me, but that I fell in love with during the season last year. And I held my breath all off season, waiting to see who they would sign, who they would bring in. I'm talking about Tampa Bay running back Rashad white. Uh, Rashad white showcased his explosive ability in that offense last year. They let Leonard Fournette walk away from that team, right? They didn't sign him back. He's got Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds to compete with. And the last report I saw said that Keyshawn Vaughn was beating out Chase Edmonds on the depth chart, which 
that is music to my ears as a Rashad White manager because I watched Keyshawn Vaughn on that field last year, and he's not beating out Rashad White. So if Chase Edmonds is behind him on the depth chart, this is wide open. This seems like Rashad White's backfield. The volume is going to be his. And I've seen what – I know Baker Mayfield's the starter for now, but I've seen what Baker does with one of those receiving backs. I've seen the value he provided to a back like Kareem Hunt, and this is not a good offensive line, a line that's going to require a lot of short yardage plays. I just – I think the sky's the limit for a player like Rashad White, and you're not having to draft him too early in drafts either. I love that. I mean, it's it's an offense that I think will be better than people expect, but I don't think it's going to be a great football team, but I think the offense is just going to be better because I think Baker is uh, just above competency level at the quarterback position. We saw it Perfect. just happen a couple of years ago when they had Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland and they had Landry and Odell Beckham. And he gave Odell Beckham and Landry both a thousand yards as a Cleveland Browns quarterback. I think they won six games that year. Do I think the Buccaneers win six? Uh, I think they do end up second in that division. I I mentioned the Saints a minute ago, maybe six, seven, eight. But I think the talent around him, uh, given the defense is going to have to worry about the Godwins and and the Evanses of the world, I think Mayfield is going to rely on that running back next to him, that Rashad White. And we saw what he could do coming out of college. People are all talking about, oh, yeah, but between the tackles, between the tackles, he wasn't efficient last year. But Rashad White's always been the receiving back. He's a patient, patient running back, and he's a great, great receiving back. You can kind of look at the same way as, as Gibbs. Gibbs is going to get a ton of receiving work. Not as much between the tackles. We've heard a lot about Sean Tucker the last couple of weeks. Like maybe Sean Tucker does work his way into the between the tackle grinder work. But guess what? It's only going to make Rashad White more help, more efficient because he's going to be healthier and fresher on the outside in the receiving game. So I, I like Rashad White this year, and he's going off in like the 20s right now at the running back position. Yeah, like RB 27, I think, is the last I saw it on there. And uh, And I'm with you. It is getting to the point, the way NFL teams construct their running back rooms, that you can almost not even say it as a negative that a player is going to be taken off the field for first and second down work or off the field for third down work. It's just so commonplace among these NFL teams. We get very few backs like a Najee Harris, like a Nick Chubb. They're going to be carrying that full workload. So RB27, you expect maybe some of that to go elsewhere, but Rashad White in that range has one of the clearest paths to a three down role, especially early in the season while that rookie Sean Tucker is getting adapted to the offense that, that I see. And I'll draft him there in that like what is that, like the fifth, sixth round range that he's going? Yeah, right around round six. I like that value. Maybe as my second running back sitting on the draft board at that time. Bingo. Exactly. That's that's the – I saw him go 6-4 in that draft I was referencing earlier last night. So that's, that's right in the area where you don't have to worry about him flopping as your top running back or your second running back. Like it's right in that 2-3 zone uh, as far as depth on your roster. Cody, who's number three for you? Your third player you're not leaving drafts without. This one is is almost almost as favorite as Roshan is, uh, but Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is a guy that I just watched these drafts unfold over the last month, and it's just like I could be sitting in the chat on YouTube watching some friends draft, and I'm like, "Hey, draft Hayden Hurst," and they're like, "No, nah, I'm gonna draft uh, you know, I'm gonna draft Chigo Conquo or Jawan Johnson or Isaiah Likely," and I'm like, "Guys, you don't understand. You don't understand. Draft Hayden Hurst." And then they go, why? Why are you drafting Hayden Hurst? He, he He's not going to do anything. He's never done anything. It's in Carolina. Carolina's a bad offense. And I go, this cat just turned 30. I have a little I have a little bit of a, an advantage because I was at Carolina Panthers training camp uh, during my training camp tour this year. And basically what Frank Reich said is we don't have a true number one wide receiver. They have Jonathan Mingo on the outside who's already beaten out Terrace Marshall. It happened before the injury for those Terrace Marshall truthers out there. I was one of them, but Mingo beat him out before that. Mingo's on the outside. You have Thielen on the inside, and you have Chark on the outside. And all of three of those guys do different things, right? Thielen is great underneath on the inside, on the outside. He can, he's he's going to be always open. He's a savant in the route game. Chark's great downfield. Mingo slants, goes, whatever you want him to do, he can do it at a good to competent level. Now, the thing is, Hayden Hurst is the leader of this offense. That's Bryce Young is there. Bryce Young is a great quarterback. Bryce Young is a leader, but the, you know, this is a good this is a good segue here. Is Deion Jackson brought this up? He goes, "We have leaders and dogs. Not all dogs are leaders. Not all leaders are dogs." Bryce Young is the leader. Hayden Hurst is the dog. That's how this offense operates. Hayden Hurst is going to be the leading target getter in Carolina this year. And I and I can I've said that a hundred times. And I would I would bet a ton ton of money on Hayden Hurst being the target leader in Carolina this year, just because of how important he is to 
uh, Bryce Young. 85%, I would say 80 to 85% of the, the passing game work in Carolina is going to be within the first 8 to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And I think that's only going to help Thielen. That's going to help Hurst. And I think as, as far as where Hurst is going off in drafts right now, which is between like tight end 25 and 30 on most times, unless I'm in your draft and I reach on him. <laughs> tight end um, 19 though. Yeah, exactly. But I think as far as as far as that goes, like you, you're literally down here just throwing darts at, you know, the the Cole Commits. I love Cole Commit. You're throwing darts at the Tyler Conklins, the Michael Mayers of the rookie season, the Irv Smith we've never seen do it. I know what I got in Hayden Hurst just because we've seen him play in all these different situations with a lot of talent around him, and now he just happens to be kind of the most polished and, and the best talent on this receiving game in this receiving game in Carolina. So I, I can't say enough positive things. I just think again he's the he's the dog of this offense, and I think he's going to be the leading target getter in Carolina. That's a true uh, tight end sleeper and a take I haven't heard very often this season that he's going to be the lead target. I feel like the attention goes on those wide receivers. People want to believe in a LaVisca Chenault. They want to believe in the rookie. They want to believe in a, in a Terrace Marshall, but I, I, I like your, your take on, there. I want your thought on LaVisca because you got, you got the DJ Moore jersey behind you. You said you're a Clemson fan, so I can only assume you're in the area. Maybe you have a little vesting interest in the Panthers. Do you, do you have a thought on LaVisca Chenault this year? I uh, So I'm from the Atlanta area. I went to school there in Clemson, but I'm down in Texas now. DJ Moore is one of my favorite players I got you. of all time. LaVisca Chenault um, will not be on any of my teams this year i will be excited to see if they can utilize him in a in an interesting role we've seen curtis samuel get used in a cool way we've seen patterson get used in interesting ways in his years throughout the league i view lavisca chenault maybe similarly and i'm not sure this team led by a rookie quarterback is the team where he's gonna piece that valuable role together yeah i i think yeah, that's that's pretty on spot. Um, I think they're going to try because the two days I was at training camp, everything I heard was that they're they're trying to hide Lavisca, so they didn't they they literally he wasn't hurt. They just didn't use him against the Jets in, in their in their joint practice. He just walked around with a jersey on and a skull cap. And um, the practice he did do was the day before that they ran with him with the second platoon, but they didn't really do anything sneaky. They just kind of ran him in the slot. But all the reporters I talked to were like, yeah. Blackshear's not very good. Spencer, Spencer Brown's not very good. I was like, okay, so it's Miles Sanders and Chuba. That's it? And like, you're not worried about Blackshear? And they go, no, LaVisca's running back 2B. And I was like, wait, what? Like, actually, they're going to run him as running back 2B? And he's like, yeah, they're gonna. he's going to run the ball a lot this year. And, like, they have these packages grown up, drawn up for him. So, like, that's their target. I believe it's it. Curtis Samuel, it's the Debo rule. Like, the, 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 the answer is, or the question is, will it work? And that's... You know, you can't bet on that in fantasy football uh, in season long, especially um, just because of the, the volatility that that leaves you with. Unless we do see that it's a like I mentioned before, they don't have a true number one. Right. That's why I'm, I'm drawn to Hayden Hurst because of what I saw. But they don't have a true number one and they've been hiding LaVisca from us. And all of a sudden these packages are literally Debo-esque. I don't know. dude. That's that's the that's kind of where I sit with that. It's. This might I be wished, the, the make I or break year for Visca truthers out there. If yeah, if he can't succeed in this role, maybe it's uh maybe it's not gonna happen. Yeah. I, I wish I would have drafted him in round 20 a few times and some best balls early on, but I don't know. Man, it's to it, follow up on your Hayden Hurst take before we get into the last player here. Uh Tim in the chat wanted to know Hayden Hurst or Jake Ferguson on draft day. Are you taking Hayden Hurst? Does it extend above any Jake Ferguson love you have? I, I like Ferguson. So Dalton Schultz last year. Um, from week eight on, so week eight to 18, he had seven finishes into the top five in fantasy football and, and points um, in any given week in the Dallas offense. I think Schultz is a fine one. Also, Ferguson fits right into that role in Dallas. I think he's going to be good. I like Hurst ahead of Ferguson. Funny enough, you asked the draft I was literally mentioning earlier. I drafted Hurst 12-12, Jake Ferguson 13-1. So I got them both. Um, but yeah, I like Hurst just a, just a titch ahead of Jake Ferguson. Beautiful. Well, I got one more player here for us, and this is a quarterback. Where he's going in drafts, I think, is criminal with the kind of upside that he has. He's going as QB 11, down close to the 7th, 8th round. You can grab him in one quarterback leagues, and that's Tua Tungavailoa. We saw last year that his upside is just as high as these other quarterbacks going in that range, as a Justin Herbert, as a Joe Burrow. The question is, is he healthy? 
Is he going to play 17 games? It's not, does he have the receivers to do it? He's got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, both who I'm expecting to be well above 1,000-yard receivers. He's got Devon A-Chain there in the running game, who I'm expecting to have a decent year. This offense should be phenomenal, and Tua should be the catalyst that drives all of it. His health concerns. It's the concussion issues we saw last year driving his value way down. I love drafting two of there and then late in these one quarterback leagues, grabbing a Sam Howell or an Anthony Richardson or one of these high upside guys towards the end to try to pair with uh, my two just in case something goes on. But I listened to what the team's saying. And after I watched what Tua went through last year and the magnifying glass that is on the Miami Dolphins organization, I don't believe that they're stupid enough to trot him out on the field from like, let's just look at it from like a selfish PR perspective as the Miami Dolphins. To trot him back out on the field if there's a legitimate risk of him seriously career-ending injury uh, happening to him with one more hit to the head. This is one that people always got to convince me over. I, I, yeah. I love the talent around him, but a lot of everything I see tells me that you know these receivers kind of keep Tua afloat as far as making him look like he he belongs in this tier of the Dax, the Deshaun's and stuff and where he's going off in drafts. It's, it's so tough for me. I'm going to be straight honest with you. Haven't clicked the button one time on him this year. Um, I, I do you, when you draft him, do you like, like to have one of those waddles or Tyreeks with him or are you cool just drafting him as a one-off? What's kind I'm of cool. your angle with him? Cause I, I just, it's just so tough for me. A, you bring up the health, but B, I just, the, the quarterbacking, I guess usually too. Also, if I don't get one of those top end guys, I usually just ship it and and get like a Richardson or Dak or Cousins who are like free. But I just, two is also always one tough. It's a tough sell for me always. I hear you. I think what I look back is I look back at some of his game logs while he's still getting integrated into this offense last year, establishing rapport with these receivers. It was a new offense. He's dropping games with close to 500 passing yards in there, 469 passing yards in week three, over 400 a couple more times. Like this dude has the upside that some of these players have. I trust Mike McDaniel. I trust this offensive system. It truly comes down to me, just the health. I know we can hit Tyreek deep and I know Jalen Waddle uh, is going to be open for him regularly. That dude changed the type of position that he plays in the NFL last season. He went from being a more possession guy and uh, adapted to this offense. Seeing things like that gives me confidence that uh, Mike McDaniel is going to keep this offense running nicely and Tua should be. Do you disagree with that he has ups, like top five quarterback upside with the players sitting around him? Yeah, definitely the talent around him. Uh, I think he does have tops – Top seven upside. Top seven top upside. Five, top five is really high. Like this, this the group is just so loaded uh, this year. But I, top seven, top eight. I think he's right on. He's got the upside to, to get that that Burrow Herbert cusp, just with the talent around him. But then those dudes have talent. Those dudes have a, a monopoly of talent around yeah, him as well. Herbert so, is one of those guys. I think uh, he's going a little bit higher, which is why he's not my yeah. guy instead of Tua this year. I view yeah. them similarly, but. You're going to be shocked even without the rushing if Herbert's a top three quarterback this year with Kellen Moore in town. No, dude. The, the, they and people are people are kind of hating on this Caton on this Quentin Johnson thing as well, and they're like, "Well, Josh Palmer, this Josh Palmer." It's like, listen, dude. It's Keenan. It's Keenan Allen first. Then it's Mike Mike Williams. They still got Eckler there. Gerald Everett's a good tight. Like, then you bring in a Quentin Johnson dynamic that that is just an improved Jalen Guyton with uh, other abilities. Like this is going to be an offense. If it all clicks, this could easily be the top scoring offense in football. And I don't think that should be a hot take at all. If Kellen Moore comes in and this thing starts flowing early. I mean, this is, we've heard it, right? It's always, it's always the chargers dating back to the early Phillip rivers. He's oh, the chargers that, given be that sleeper, that sleeper Super Bowl pick every single year for like the last eight years. It feels and like, I, and I feel like we haven't heard that this year. Right. And this might like be, been, this might be, uh, maybe, maybe they were just maybe waiting for everybody to shut up and now they're going to come out and maybe look all right out there. Well, guys, everybody watching, we're going to move into some waiver wire ads right now. We'll keep this relatively brief today since it is week one. Most of you just drafted. Some of you haven't even drafted yet today, but there is some shifting news that's changing the value of some of these players, especially some players that haven't been drafted. I think the bell of the ball right now when it comes to waiver wire ads is wide receiver Van Jefferson of the Los Angeles Rams with the Cooper Cup news that has come out. Cody, first, I just want to throw it to you are you nervous about cooper cup given the setback that he's had yet again and if so are you prioritizing van jefferson on your waiver wires here before week one starts yes um i'm nervous for cooper cup 
kind of fits right into the other realm of those other older wide receivers I mentioned earlier with Thomas and Evans and Sutton and stuff. Oh, you got to draft him I, in the first round. Now. I, I just, it's, I, yeah, I wasn't drafting him in round one before the, the big thing comes out, but now I find myself when you get to round three with a guy like Cooper cup and you maybe already have Jefferson on the squad, you're like, uh, am I not supposed to click that button? Like yeah, that's four is looking range. pretty good. Like me, that's the range where I start to go. All right. But if, if cup does, you know, take a couple weeks off and I know this team's not good. So they're going to be throwing the ball a lot round three areas. Fine. Um, so that's interesting to me, but yeah, I think as far as the Rams go, Van Jefferson's the target, um, over at roster watch, we've made him a target for the last two months, as far as being around 14, 15 guy. And if you're drafting today, it's not going to be around 14, 15. He's going to get pushed up just because of it. I think the other guy I put on this list for the waiver wire ads is Puka Nakua. Uh, maybe not a lot of people know about him, heard of him, things like that. He was a draft pick this year from BYU. His tape looked good. Did not look good at the senior bowl whatsoever when I was down there in Mobile. And then I go to these, tra these training camps this year, and I, I talk to people that have been to other training camps. And it's just kind of like this this door that you open and it's like, Oh, Hey, what did this guy look like? And it's like, Oh, you know, who's been in the back pocket of Cooper cup for the last month and a half. Puka well, Nakua. Who? Tutu Atwell? No, Puka Nakua. And I'm like, all right, well, they're actually kind of similar players. So that does make sense. And if this guy goes to BYU, he's got to be pretty smart and he's in the Rams offense and there's not really a lot there. It's Tutu Atwell. It's Ben Skoranek guys. We've seen, you know, not really take the next step up. Van Jefferson's got that 4-3 speed. Okay, Puka Nakua, they put him in there and play that Cooper Cup role. Again, it's not going to be Cooper Cup-esque, but it's going to be some version of, of, a, of a target hog if he's competent. I think I like Nakua. I like Van Jefferson. Uh, you also have to look at Higby. Higby's a guy too, but Higby's going to be drafted more so than not. But as far as the waiver wire guys, I think I like Van Jefferson and Puka Nakua. I think they're both very interesting depending on how your team is built. Man, this may be uh, one of the only seasons that we're advocating for multiple Rams on the waiver wire, given the state of how that offense looks. Yeah. We'll see if there's other injuries. But I like both those ads. One other wide receiver I wanted to throw out there, only rostered in about 60% of leagues right now, is Rashad Bateman. There is a lot of uncertainty there in that Baltimore offense with the new offensive coordinator coming in, the number of names they added in the offseason, adding Zay Flowers, adding Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman has the rapport established. Now, he was disappointing in the time that we saw him, but on the chance that he establishes himself as the top wide receiver, obviously Mark Andrews will likely be the top receiving option. I like to have Rashad Bateman on my bench, and he's one of those guys that after week one, if he's not featured, I got no problem cutting him, which is one of my favorite kind of players to add here. Add him for week one, see how it works, see what that offense looks like. Is OBJ the guy? Is Rashad Bateman the guy? Is Zay Flowers the dude? And if it's not Bateman, with the pre-established rapport he has, I'm a lot more willing to cut bait than you mentioned Zay Flowers earlier. I'm not cutting bait after one week with him, but I will with a guy like Rashad Bateman. Where are you at with Bateman overall? Like, as far as like, I, I don't do like a three-strike approach. I take like a four-strike approach. And for me, <laughs> Bateman like hit that fourth strike this offseason with getting random cortisone shots when it was like, this is a cortisone shot's a short-term answer. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of confused by the whole thing and people I talked to didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense to, but you bring up 60% and I'm like, okay, I can, I can be brought, I love Rashad Bateman. Like I can be brought back in on Rashad Bateman at 60% at ownership and I'm getting him for free. And all I have to do is watch what happens because we don't know what this, we have an idea what this Baltimore offense is going to look like, right? They want to bring in a Zay Flowers and the role that he would play seems like it would be a little bit of a Hollywood Brown plus uh, some underneath work that where he is good. Yeah. Plus a lot of tight end. So where's Bateman fit in? We don't have a clue right now. We don't know really how he looks. Right. So if he's free, I'll take that look in week one, week two, like I'll drop whoever my, you know, late couple round guys are. If I, if I need maybe some, some wider, maybe you drafted Cooper cup early. Maybe you drafted Cooper cup in round one and you're like, gosh, I really need a, a you know, a little bit of a jolt of energy. And, and that's a shot I would take. I would say, okay, put Bateman on the roster. And you know what? If he goes out there week one and pulls in seven targets, you got something. If he doesn't, see you later. That's fine. That's that's kind of what they call roster fodder, right? That's the bottom of the roster. And and Bateman owned in 60%. That's an interesting number. I, I hadn't heard that because I did know that the discrepancy on ESPN versus like, you know, the Yahoos or the sleepers of the world. ESPN has him like 60, 70, 80 spots, ADP lower. Uh, there. these other sites so that's definitely a site that you can definitely take advantage of some, of some free Rashad Bateman so that's one I hadn't thought of so I'm glad you put that on the list that's a, a great point too. know your platform 
make sure you know your platform and know the differences in ADP and where people are sitting on that list because you can get some real sneaky values, especially on draft day. And sometimes those players hide down there on the waiver wire. For the running backs here on the waiver wire this week, I feel like the big talk is what to do with Jonathan Taylor. Definitely missing four weeks, potentially missing more. There's three running backs there in that Colts running back room. Deion Jackson, Zach Moss, and Evan Hull. And it seems like Zach Moss is the man forgotten by fantasy Twitter, and they're evenly split between Deion Jackson and Evan Hull. Where do you stand on this, Cody? If you're prioritizing one of those three on the waiver wire this week, if any, who's it going to be? So I'm working on my uh, weekly rankings article that'll go up on Sportstopia this week, and I don't have any of these guys in the top 36, <laughs> but I have Evan Hull, 37, Moss, 42, and Deion Jackson, 53 at the running back position in their shares. I have Moss at 50%, Evan Hull, 30, and Deion Jackson, 20. I think it's going to be a complete mess because I think it's going to be everything running through Anthony Richardson. Um, but I think as far as what you're looking for an upside is a, a guy that can play in the passing game, a guy that can work good and pass pro, which is Evan Hull. I was going to say sounds like Evan Hull. For both, right? And then you just had the upside of him being a rookie with dynamism. Where Deion Jackson has the athleticism too, but Evan Hull has that and some. And he's a little guy. And I think it's just, you know, if you're looking for someone who can, who's, who's looking – to make a name for himself, right? Everyone already has a predetermined thought on Zach Moss. Deion Jackson was fine last year, but nobody's actually seen what Evan Hull can bring to the table. I, I think Evan Hull's the guy that I would I would bet on if I'm gonna if I'm just saying, okay, you get to pick one of these three guys. I'll take the I'll take the leap on Evan Hull just because of the pass game work, pass pro, and we haven't seen what he can do in the running game. Especially remember, A Rich is back there. And those are two very, very, very athletic uh, specimens, even though Evan Hull's not large, but two very athletic, very athletic specimens uh, in the backfield. So I'm going to go Evan Hull here. I said yesterday, after four weeks, I expect Anthony Richardson to lead this team in rushing yards with how big of a mess it's going to be Bingo. among those other three backs. So I understand the uh, desire to go and pick up these guys. I'm probably letting someone else pick them up and grab their committee back for four weeks. But I'm with you, Cody. If it's going to be one of them, it's going to be Evan Hull for me. Who I would rather pick up at the running back position as a player we mentioned a little bit earlier is Sean Tucker. I feel like there is a lot more upside for a player like that and season-long upside, not just this beginning of the season fill-in upside. Uh, I will gladly throw him on the back of my roster, even my teams with Rashad White, hoping that maybe or waiting to see if he does establish himself as more of that uh, early down back in that offense. I think he's going to pull in a little bit of work in week one. I, I know it does kind of seem muddy. You talked about Chase Edmonds and Keyshawn Vaughn earlier. It seems muddy. That that situation with those two guys seems very muddy that we don't know what's going to happen in week one as far as their usage, but we have heard a little bit of Sean Tucker, and that, that, that makes me happy because Sean Tucker was a great runner and a great downfield receiver uh, while he was playing at Syracuse. So I think he does uh, bring a little bit little upside to this offense. I only see him for like a 10, 15% opportunity here in week one. So, you know, if you do see a spurt, you remember, uh, who was it? Nick Chubb. It was Nick Chubb. The behind first Carlos couple, Hyde. but yes, behind Carlos Hyde, the first couple games, they were like, oh man, we'll give him three carries. Exactly. Okay. And then we'll give him four and we'll give him five. And then it was like, he finished a game with like five carries for 75 yards and a touchdown. And it was like, all right, this dude needs more work. And like, I can see that being a career arc not saying he's going to be a 1500-yard rusher like Chubb, but I think that can be a, like a as far as a start to the career. I think I like that career arc for Sean Tucker as far as usage goes. Absolutely. And I'd even uh Rashad White might be a little bit more of a barrier than a Carlos Hyde was at that point in his yes. career, but still they got very different skill sets, Sean Tucker and Rashad White. They can be complementary backs in that offense fairly easily there. Before we get on to tight ends here, Cody, we had a question from Jeb in the chat. Wanted to know, should I trade Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara? for Joe Mixon and Mike Evans. When you're looking at this trade, there's not much context given around it. Are you making that move? I'm going to go ahead and assume this is season long. I'm going to go ahead and assume this is yeah. EPR. And he wants to get rid of Najee and get rid of Kamara and take on Mixon and Mike Evans. This is a really close one for me. Um, where is Joe Mixon and Kunk? Where do I have him? I got Najee close behind him. I think so. I got Najee and, and Joe Mixon a lot closer than people do. And then, of course, you have Kamara for Evans. It really depends what your receiving game looks like because your receiving room looks like. If Evans is coming in and Evans is going to be your wide receiver three, I would do it. 
if he's going to come in and be a wide receiver four, I would probably keep Najee and Elvin Kamara. I hope that makes sense to you. So if if he's coming in and you have like a if you have like a Chase and a DJ Moore, and then it's going to be Evans, I'll do it because you need that that kick up. He's going to be yeah. that guy. But if he's a stick down, I w- I wouldn't do it. I would just stick with. I think Najee's going to have a great season, and I think Elvin Kamara is going to give you a lot of juice going down the stretch. I've been coming around on Najee here. So I just look at that roster. I look at Mike Tomlin's history and dude's going to get one of the highest carry loads in the NFL this year. It's just what's going to happen. And whether you believe in that offense or not, volume yep. equals good for fantasy production. And Mike Tomlin, no matter what, I was running through and putting out like a couple weeks ago, trying to like lay out the schedule, who's going to win what games. And I saw I had the Steelers with a losing record after I went through every game. And I was like, I just can't do that. Like I trust Mike Tomlin enough, no matter who's on that roster, that he's going to end at least 500 at the end of the season. Did Did you go back through it? And re, re- I, I went back through it and I, you I have go? not you finished end up it. Uh, I have them with nine wins at the end okay. of this season. So we'll see. Cool. I've got the Steelers with nine wins, but uh, man, it's hard to put them below 500 with Tomlin there. I must have a little bias because that, that's another one of the camps I went to, but I, I had them at 12 and five. Oh, nice. Okay. So I, that's I, a, that's a big I, season I, for Kenny Pickett yeah. then. I, I really think this team, this defense is really good too, but I think this team's going to take a, a, at least a step up. Um, and they're going to be passing five to 6% more than they were last year. And I think as far as this, this receiving room is pretty deep as far as the four top, top four go. Plus you got Fryermuth, And I think Najee's going to catch a lot of footballs as well. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be a surprise team. I think I got the Steelers twelve and five. That's yeah. I'm just glad that the uh, the AFC North looks good again. That is my yeah. favorite. That's going to be vision in football to watch. It is brutal in there. Uh, Ravens and Bengals both look like they could be serious playoff contenders. And the Browns, uh, Deshaun Watson is half the quarterback that they're paying him to be. Uh, then that Browns team should be pretty good as well. You can never count out the Steelers with Tomlin in there. One more question in here from Matt, and this is going back to a player that we talked about earlier and a player you compared him to. Matt wants to know if he start Tua or Deshaun Watson this week. I'm rolling Tua against the Chargers. I expect that to be a high-scoring game. Which way are you rolling, Cody? I have Tua fifth in my week one quarterback rankings and Deshaun Watson at 18. So Deshaun Watson. Answer. Okay, we'll so that is much higher on the two side. The over-under for that game is at 50.5, the Dolphins-Chargers yep. game. It might be the highest one of this week. No, the game on Thursday yeah. is the highest one of the week sitting there. I almost skipped my Thursday game at 54 and a half. It's a big Ooh. driver, though. That's, that's I mean, you're talking like Miami and the Chargers. Everyone's looking for that one. That's going to be a high scoring. I think that blows past the over. Then they, pl- they played, what, last year or the year before, and it was a high scoring one, too. I just, I don't see how it's not, so. A lot of talent on the field. Both teams going to have to throw the football. I, I don't know how to it. Yeah, you're I telling love- me I get to watch a game with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen all catching the ball on the same field in Week One. I am. Yeah. Whew, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. You just you just brought me full circle all the way back around to say I love I love Tua. So I just uh, you're welcome. <laughs> we made it, baby. At least in Week One, you love them. Maybe not season one. long. We'll take them in week one. Well, guys, we're going to move into some player props that we like here for week one. We've talked through a bunch of players, and some of these we've mentioned a little bit. I'm going to kick us off on this, Cody, and it's a player that you mentioned. Whenever you said it, I almost was like, yes, yes, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, we'll save it for player props. I've got Jameer Gibbs under 39 and a half rushing yards in week one in that Lions game against the Chiefs. I think they're going to have to throw the ball, and I think Jameer Gibbs, especially early in the season, plays more as a – receiver in this offense especially with a back like david montgomery there who they know can handle that workload while they're getting jameer gibbs involved in this offense i'm not going to be shocked if he crushes his receiving yards prop or his receptions prop or his receiving yards plus rushing yards prop a 39 and a half rushing yards you're telling me jameer gibbs has to get 40 rushing yards in that first game against the chiefs offense with david montgomery there i'm I'm just not buying it. I'll take the under, which is my only under of the day because unders suck. I am going to do kind of a similar prop, but the opposite. I'm going to go David Montgomery over 48 and a half because this number is way too low for the guy who's going to have between 16 and 20 carries, I would say, for the Detroit Lions in week one. Again, going against the Chiefs. I know what everyone's thinking. Chris Jones, Chris Jones ain't playing. Chris Jones is not going to play in this game on Thursday. That's where that's where I'm laying my bet, um, just because he hasn't been in the building. He hasn't been uh, practicing. So 
And that's the key. They've been keying on every, if you, you'd be dumb, not the key on Chris Jones, right? If you, if you're this Detroit lions offense yeah. and this Detroit lions offensive line is phenomenal. 48 and a half is a very solid line for David Montgomery. I think he pushes 70, 80 in this one. Uh, they're going to need to put a little bit in the run game to slow Kansas City down a little bit because, again, they don't have the, the potency that, that that the Chiefs do. So I think, um, as you said, Jameer Gibbs, a lot of receiving game. David Montgomery, a lot of run game. It seems pretty easy on the surface, but the prop is nine yards apart in the rushing game. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm with you. I, I love those two. They kind of go together. Complimentary. We're, we're uh, reading the same game script, maybe just picking some different props to roll with it there. Uh, what do you got next year after David Montgomery over 48 and a half rushing yards for us, Cody? Give, give me Mark Andrews all day, every day. We talked about <laughs> this uh, Baltimore Ravens offense and kind of what we think it might be, and that is uh, tight ends and uh, more tight ends because uh, Monken coming up from Georgia, and we saw what he did at Georgia with the tight ends, and now you're talking about Mark Andrews, who's already a dog at the tight end position. Four and a half receptions for Mark Andrews. Seems like a slam dunk. Last year, he started the season off five, nine, eight, eight, seven, two in the first six weeks. He only went under this number one time. And again, what do we know? We know Lamar Jackson is most accurate down the center of the field, and we know that Mark Andrews is his favorite target. Two checks on the box, over four and a half for Mark Andrews. I love it. And with all of the uncertainty with the other receiving options there, if there was another established, fully healthy receiver in that offense, maybe they take a step back, but I'm with you. I love Mark Andrews over four and a half receptions. I'd be tempted even if they threw it up a number at five and a half to still take that, but uh, four and a half, you don't have to flirt with that. My next one here, it's another running back and it's another rushing yards prop. I'm loving the rushing yards prop this week. I've got Dalvin Cook over 41 and a half rushing yards. This one feels a little bit similar to me as the uh, as the David Montgomery one. It's a veteran back on a new team who I'm expecting to get the majority of the workload the first couple of weeks while they ease Brees Hall back into this offense, but they're giving him an RB2 rushing yards line in this game. They're not assuming that he's going to be the three down back. And the most recent quotes from Salah are cautiously vague about Brees Hall's availability. We're not going to have a snap count, but we have plenty available for both of these backs to eat. We're going to focus on making sure Brees Hall recovers properly. We're going to focus on making sure everybody's healthy. There's plenty here for both of them. I am fully buying in that at least through the first couple weeks of this season, that this is Dalvin Cook's backfield and Brees will play a complimentary role while he gets his health back. And if that's the case, what is it? 41 and a half rushing yards seems like an easy line for a back of Dalvin Cook's quality to hit. People are acting like he's washed. Whenever, if you look at the last four seasons, he's been an 1,100-yard rusher four years in a row. This isn't a washed player. He is older, but he's still got the juice, and he should have that lead role at least at the beginning of the season. If, if he gets anywhere north of 45 50% of the opportunities, this isn't even going to be a close number for him, um, just given how talented this offense is. I know Buffalo's been trying to work on the defensive line, but if, if – and again, the Jets' offensive line isn't the best, but – the talent that Delvin does bring to the table, I think, I, I like I like this number. I just want to see the usage. That'd be the only thing that would scare me off is the usage. But the number's too low for Delvin Cook if he's a starting running back. I'm with you, and that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm banking on for that one is that he is in fact the starting running back. Before we get your next one here, Cody, I want to remind everyone you can scan that QR code on the screen right now to check out fantasy sports logics contrarian optimizer seven day test drive seven day free trial for just one dollar there check it out try it out week one see what it does for your lineups one dollar try it out for seven days before you go all in on it cody who's number three for you here on your favorite player props for week one this one feels like a slam dunk but touchdowns are never slam dunks uh i'm gonna go austin eckler over a half of a touchdown uh i got this one over at underdog Last year against Miami, he did score a touchdown. This week, I have him as my running back two in all of fantasy formats. Over the last two seasons, Austin Eckler has a whopping 38 total touchdowns uh, in 33 football games. And like we mentioned before, we love this football game uh, to be a high-scoring one between Miami and the Chargers. I think the team total for the Chargers is 26.5, so that's almost four touchdowns for them. And as, as, as much as people look at Austin Eckler in a small lens and say, well, he's not a big back. He's jacked, but he's not a big back. He gets a lot of work down the goal line. And I don't think Isaiah Spiller or Josh Kelly is going to be taking it away from him. I think week one, we're going to get Austin Eckler touchdown. Let's take it. Week one, Austin Eckler touchdown. I'm not going to be the guy to bet against an Austin Eckler touchdown in that offense, <laughs> especially 
in that game. Um, I'll I'll make a bet that maybe arguably the best skill position player on that Chargers team scores a touchdown in one of the highest point total games of the week. I like it. Do you have any concerns for Austin Eckler's usage in the passing game with Kellen Moore coming to town with Joe Lombardi, Mr. Dump off himself leaving? Um, n- no, I would say no. That's that was kind of a weird answer. Was he? Yeah, no. Um, That's how I because, feel. Too. It's like, because, yeah, I get it, but he's Austin Eckler. The thing is, yeah, the thing is, is that that's where you're going to stay the healthiest. You don't, you don't stay healthy running between the tackles, right? You stay healthy when you're on the outside and you're not taking as big a hits. You're getting hit by safeties and corners and not D tackles. So I think that they understand that. We also remember Kellen Moore in Dallas used Tony Pollard quite a bit out of the backfield. And I think Herbert is just going to already have that innate feel for Eckler being out of the backfield next to him. I think that I'm not, I'm not really worried, you know, does he lose maybe 10 targets on his total season? Sure. Maybe, but I'm not really worried about uh, a big drop off. I tend to agree with you. I think the talent alone and the coaching acumen of the guys in there will get the ball in Austin Eckler's hands plenty. My last one here, I'm taking another rushing yards. Week one is the week of rushing yards props for me. And I've got Josh Allen. Over 35 and a half rushing yards. He hit this mark in 11 of 17 games last season, including both games that he played against the New York Jets. I know we're expecting this defense to be pretty good, but I think that plays into Josh Allen's hand a little bit. He's going to be scrambling a little bit more. And the reason I love these quarterback rushing yards props, especially the ones below 40 yards, is on a broken play, you can get them all at once. You can get them all at once as Josh Allen escapes. The guys like Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, these are some of my favorite lines to take, especially when they're going up against a tough running defense, uh, because we can see them kind of escape that pocket and run for 30 yards in one play. Um, It's really watching them hit that mark in 11 out of 17 games last year, not having a dominant back and the strengths of this Jets defense, I think leading to Josh Allen, maybe running a little bit more in week one than that Bills team wants him to. I like it. I mean, this is going to be a fun game. This is Monday Night Football. We're talking about being 48 hours and some change away from Thursday Night Football, but we get to close the week out. Jets, Bills, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. Got to have a little bit in there. Got to have a little bit in there. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll hit this Josh Allen over rushing yards with you as well, my friend. Yeah, we got some so many good games this week. We mentioned Bills, Jets. We got Chiefs, Lions to kick us off. Chargers, Dolphins. I'm curious to see how the Saints look. We got two more days until we got to find out. Everybody who joined us today, thank you so much for stopping by for some fantasy fire and ice. I'm Simon Grunewald, joined today by Cody Carpentier. I'll be back tomorrow with Steezy and Terrell for some more fantasy fire and ice, getting you ready for your week one DFS slates. Until then, though, we are out of here. Cody, it's been a pleasure, my friend, and I'll see you on another time. Adios, everybody.